I don't normally do this, but I want to, first of all, I, I do normally do this. I want to welcome you to Grace Church this morning. Thank you for being here. I know it's an effort sometimes to get out of bed on a Sunday, on a weekend, and get here, but uh, you did it. God bless you. You're going to be glad you did it, um, and you probably already are. Wasn't worship wonderful today? I just, I just give them a, 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 I don't know how to do it. Just, just, it was so wonderful and so powerful. Thank you guys for your service to, to us. And I don't normally do this. This is part I don't normally do if I have a visitor from another church. Uh, this guy goes to a Methodist church, and I just want to point him out because he's my dad. And uh, it is his birthday today. So, so And I say that my dad is one of my best friends. And... Uh, uh, love him to pieces. Uh, um, I can't say enough good about him. And I think he's, he said a long time ago, every time I ask him how old he is, he says 29. And so he's 86, 20, 87, but he's 29. So happy birthday, Dad. Um, I want to start with a little story that there's this little town in Virginia that just last month this happened where uh, in March there was a coordinated campaign to identify and woo a teenager there in the town and for a reason because he had started a Snapchat with a, a handle on it that this company wanted and it was Carnival Cruises and he had gone on a couple of Carnival Cruises with his family and uh, when, when he got back he started this Snapchat and and the company found out about it, and they said, we got to have that. we got to have that handled, because that name is our name, and it's so important. And so they didn't want to just take it from him or take him to court or anything. He's like a super fan. And so the, what they did, they went to the town, and they started putting signs all over the place trying to find him. And his name was Darian. They said, anybody know Darian? Finally, they, they put, you know, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, you might know him as Shaq, he he uh, is their spokesperson, their celebrity, and so they put his, that's him, that's my buddy, so, uh, and they put, with this sign, they put on there, does anybody know Darian? And so they finally surfaced him, and, and the spokesperson for the company said, tell you what, we can trade here, we'll trade you, if you'll give us your handle, we'll go ahead and send you to Barcelona, Spain, and take your family with you on our new cruise ship, and you can do that round trip free. And it's worth $5,000 a piece. It's up to you. He said, yeah, that's worth it. I'll find another Snapchat. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to point that out because it's so, sometimes names are so important. Names are so important and powerful. And we're going to be talking about a name that is the most important most powerful today. Names can have lasting importance and value. So what's a big name? What's a big name? You think about a big name and it's almost base. Well, it is baseball season. What's a big name in baseball? She's a big name in her field. A person is well known for their outstanding accomplishments in their respected fields. It could be from popularity. It could be a business. It could be a position. Netflix is a big name when it comes to the industry of streaming 
uh, entertainment. Carrying a name can often confer power and authority if the name is significant enough. So we're going to find out today how special and significant God's name is and the authority that it can wield in our lives and the difference that it makes. And as we get to know his name, especially when we do things in his name and when we are praying in his name, we begin to have adventures that I believe that as you begin to have adventures with his name, that you'll be like Darian and just want to Snapchat it out. You'll want to be able to broadcast it out to people because it gets exciting to see what Jesus wants to do and wants you to do and enjoy in his name. So what does it mean in his name? Is it a good omen? If you're a follower of Christ, and I understand that some of you are maybe not, and you're welcome here too. I just want to say that. But if you are a follower of Christ, you, you might have used this. And, and, and sometimes we as followers of Christ, we, we, we do these things and we get in a habit of it. Nothing wrong with habit, but sometimes we don't always think about what we're doing and we don't always put thought to what we're saying. And we tack it on the end of our prayers in his name. In his name, we pray that. And, you, know, you pray your prayer request, and then you tack it on the end in his name. And we don't think about what that means. Don't think about what, what are we saying with that. Is it just a good gesture? Is it just something similar to saying, good luck? <laughs> or, you know, have a good trip? Or something like that. Is that what in his name at the end of our prayers means? Or is there something a little more significant? Comedian Brian Regan, I don't know if you've watched him. He's hilarious to me. I think he's really funny. Uh, keeps it all pretty clean and uh, just enjoy watching him. He, he says he gets a little confused in social situations and, and he'll get mixed up. And like people will be leaving and instead of saying take care or good luck, he makes it take luck. You know? and so sometimes I think we do that with we get mixed up with what in the world does this in his name mean? In Jesus' name, what does that mean? Is there significance in that? Here's some more questions. Where did Jesus get his name? Who gave Jesus his name? And what does the word Jesus, the name Jesus, literally mean? And you might think, I thought that Jesus, the name Jesus meant Joshua in Hebrew, and it does. Isn't that just a common name? So what's so special about that? What makes it unique? And what did Jesus say about his name? Did he have anything to say about his name? What does it mean that there is authority in Jesus' name? What does it mean that there is no other name that's higher than his name, or more excellent than Jesus' name? If I'm not a practicing Christian, what does the name of Jesus has, have to do with me in my life? And what difference does any of this mean to me as a follower of Christ in the way that I believe and in the way that I pray? Is there something in the name of Jesus that will provide more results in my faith, in my prayers. So in this brand new, very short series, just this week and next week, 
We're going to tackle some of this and answer some of these and provide some, I believe, some solutions and answers to these questions. Um, and I think you'll be that you'll be encouraged to experience the name of Jesus more in your life. I think it'll be a good thing. So think about how we use names today. What do names do? They distinguish one person from another person, don't they? Names identify us and sometimes describe some personal attribute that that person might have or peculiarity. In the Hebrew culture, they would name their children within 30 minutes of their birth. So they would look at some kind of characteristic, and, and you see this with the name Laban. Laban was named, and his name means white or blonde. There's another Hebrew name, for example, the name Methuselah. Isn't that a great name? Methuselah, it actually means when he dies, it will come. <laughs> What's your name? When he dies, when I die, it will come. And you know, when he died within a year, the flood came on the earth. Is that incredible? So that was a prophetic name. Names have power and they mean something. We might use a name as a representative of our business or if I'm representing my parents or, or a business partner. Get this one because we'll come back to it, not today, but next time. In a legal situation, there is this thing called power of attorney. You might be familiar with that. And this means that you have the authority to act for another person in their name, in specific legal or even all legal or financial matters, depending on what the situation is. Now, here's another thing about the name of Jesus. It was a very common name. Wasn't really anything special about this name. We're going to look at the meaning. The meaning is significant, but as far as it's standing out from a crowd, no, it was a common name. And it makes it really interesting because sometimes we think that this name, especially if you've been following Christ for a while and, and you see people pray in the name of Jesus, you, you think, well, is there some kind of magic in this name? No, there's not. There's no magic in this name. But we're going to see where there is power and where that power comes from in his name. It's just a common name. Um, over 2,000 years, we, we can look at it. At the, there are more people on planet Earth over 2,000 years that have known this name of Jesus than any other name, and especially in the Western world. There, since 33 A.D., the stats are, are now at, at 8 billion people who have followed Christ and claim to be followers of Jesus or Jesus or Yeshua or whatever the name is in your language. And there's billions more that have heard of his name. Presently, the name of Jesus can be found in 6,000 languages. And they're adding languages every day. If you want to know the end of time, look at that one. Because if Jesus can make his presence known in all the different cultures that are still lacking his presence, as those whittle down, then you know we're getting close. In some ways, it's a strange thing that this single name has dominated for the last 2,000 years in world history. 
especially Western history. And for some of us, the name Jesus, when you just say that name, it, 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 uh, it affects you. It sounds holy and it sounds divine. And, and because you know that name, it, it does that for you. But this was not the case for his parents. When Joseph and Mary named Jesus, there was no one singing to him. There were no worship services that sang the name of Jesus or honored the name of Jesus. Because again, it was a common name. It did have a special meaning, but it was not an unusual name. It, in fact, in the first century, the Jewish historian uh, Josephus, he, he writes that he knew of at least 12 different people who knew the name of Jesus, who that name, Jesus, that were called Jesus, including four of the high priests. In Acts chapter 9, we read of the Jewish false prophet, and his name was Bar, or which means in Hebrew, son, Bar Jesus, son of Jesus. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul mentions one of his fellow workers, Jesus, called Justice. So we begin to see the commonality of this name. And some of the ancient manuscripts of the Gospel of Matthew call the robber that was released by Pilate, you remember his name? Barabbas. But in some of the ancient scriptures, uh, the ancient copies, his name was Jesus Barabbas which literally meant, can be translated, Jesus, son of the father. Ironic, isn't it? Jesus was a common name like Jim, like John, like Jerry. When Mary and Joseph called their son Jesus, there were no prayers in his name. In Greek, it's Jesus. In Aramaic, the language is spoken as Yesu. It's the language that Jesus spoke. Both are derived from the Hebrew, and the name is Yeshua, or Joshua, more of the Western side, uh, uh, translation of Yeshua. And Joshua, or Yeshua, is made of two parts. The yeh part of that word in Hebrew is just the short for Yahweh. And the other part of Joshua, the Yeshua part, is Hoshea, which means salvation. So here we find the significance of this name. Mary and Joseph gave their little baby a name, Jesus, which literally means Yahweh is salvation. Listen to this passage in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And you shall call his name Jesus. The angel told Joseph, for he will save his people from their sins. But I just want to be clear that this morning that the name of Jesus was not magic and it was very common. So where does this name find its power? We think of, or at least I do, when I think of Sam Walton, I think of Walmart, don't you? Walton was, and it's kind of neat because he's, from Missouri or Arkansas, and, and he went to college in Columbia. And, um, but that name was not always that way in the 50s and 60s. Nobody knew who Sam Walton was until he learned from Ben Franklin stores, and, and then he started out on his own, started his own stores. One of them, the first and earlier 
Stores was in, down the road in, in uh, Salem, Missouri. Uh, but you think of now, years and years later, now he's on, gone on to be with the Lord. Um, but over the years, he built Walmart, that brand, and he built that name to where all across the world you know what a Walmart is. And, and most people know that, that Sam Walton was the founder of that. The power in this big name that we're talking about today didn't happen overnight. It took time. But there's some symbolism and sentiment that we have built into this name that wasn't always there because we know that he has done something for us. A lot of us do. But the power of the name of Jesus is found not in the religious traditions, not in the sentiment. The power that's found in the name of Jesus is found in the person of Jesus and what he did. Does that make sense? It's not in the way that I feel. It's in the what he did that changes the way I feel. So the first thing I want to share with you, and you can jot this down in your handout. First thing, I'm going to give you three things here. The first thing that we find out about the name of Jesus is that this name, number one, was inherited. It was inherited. His name was inherited. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. I don't have all of it for you. I'm going to read more than what I give to you on the screen, but just kind of follow through, uh, follow along with me. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 1 and read about six verses here. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And here's what I wanted to get to in verse 4 and verse 5. So he became, everybody say became. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name, as the name he has inherited. He became superior as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then verse 5, for to which of the angels did, he, did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Well, the answer is none. He never said that about any angel. But he did say it about his son. When did he say that about his son? Think about that. When did he say this? Let's go on a little further. It says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, or again I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. I'm not trying to trick you with a question here, but I want to ask you something that's really important. When did the father say, today I have begotten you? Begotten means born. Today I have begotten you. When did he say that? Many of you are probably thinking of the Christmas story. Many of you are probably thinking of Bethlehem and the scene in the manger. But that's not what he's talking about. The last part of that verse is, but not this part. What's he talking about? Acts chapter 13, verse 32 and verse 
33 gives us the answer. This is Paul speaking to a group of people in Antioch. And he says this, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by what? Raising Jesus. By raising Jesus. He's talking about the resurrection. And notice what he says. Children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. He's talking about the resurrection. Wow. So Jesus was begotten or born from the Father when he was raised from the dead for your justification. There's something, you're going to see some connections between the resurrection and why this name is so powerful. Because no one has been raised from the dead to stay alive until Jesus. So what does this mean? There's a connection between the resurrection and this inherited name that's full of power. So after he had provided purification for sins, he had sat down on the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name that he inherited. When did he inherit that name? At the resurrection. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son today, I've begotten you. Jesus' great name was inherited when he rose from the dead. Meaning that Jesus earned the right, and only Jesus has earned the, earned the right of this name. That's how powerful this name. No one has earned the right to have this name. There is salvation in none other. Only Jesus. What a great name. He earned the right to this great name, and it is in this great name, this name that God conferred on him, that death Hell and the grave lose their sting forever. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, Jesus was made for suffering of death that he should taste death for every person. Isn't that wonderful? The name is so great because there's never been, nor will there ever be, anyone any other person who qualifies for death for you. There's only one. <laughs> There's only one. And his name is Jesus. So it's paramount that we understand this today in this first weekend of this because next week we're going to talk about how to discover the authority, the power that's found in that name. But you have to first understand where that authority came from. It came from God the Father. It came on that day that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he inherited, inherited a more excellent name. Second thing is the name was given. The name was given. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Therefore, Paul writing this, and Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says, Therefore, God elevated him to this place of highest honor, and gave him, and gave him a name above other names. In other words, he had it to give him. In other words, he hadn't given it until that time. He had this name. It was reserved for this one special human being 
who was also God, who was the God-man, the mediator between God and man. This one person, he was reserving, this all infers that that God the Father was was reserving this special name for him, for this one person who would pay the price. And that was Jesus. I want to read a passage in that Paul writes in Ephesians, in first chapter. It's a prayer that he's praying. And we're going to kind of jump into that prayer. Uh, I just want you to listen to these words, first of all, and then I want to point out a couple things here. Ephesians chapter 1, it starts about verse 17 for a few verses there. This is Paul praying, so we're jumping in. And he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of this glorious inheritance to the saints? Guys, I just want to interject this. There's a whole lot more that you have that you don't know about. Me too. And our eyes have to be continually open to it. In verse 19, I think... I'll back up just a little bit. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he, when he, listen, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. So much happened at that moment. When Jesus, it wasn't over when he got out of the grave. And then he ascended to the Father. He sat down next to the Father, and things began to happen. And God conferred him, unto him this name, and by inheritance, he gave him this name. He raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above, I love this, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Have you ever felt the effects of evil? Have you ever felt the effects of oppression? of temptation, of lust, of anger, of strife. He's, he was raised above all of that, and if he was raised above all that, his name is above all that. Is that making sense? That means that if Jesus was risen, and I was risen with him, I was justified, then I'm above all the strife, I'm above all the darkness, I'm above all the evil influences because of his name. Because of his name. I've gone to preaching a little bit. <laughs> you can't help but get excited about this wonderful name that has set us free. I'll read a little bit more of this. It says, above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him as head over all things to the ecclesia, which means the church. It means the ones that are called away from this world and have answered that call. They're in the world, but they're not of it. And that's been a lot of you. You've answered this call. I'm going to follow Jesus now, and I'm not going to follow the world. And if that's you, you have his name. You get to enjoy his name. He lifted you above because you answered that call. Your life is not normal anymore. So again, see the connection between the resurrection of Jesus and names. 
In the resurrection, he was lifted above every name that's named. Every name that's named on earth or below the earth. Every name, he's above it. He's raised above every name. The name of Jesus is above every name. That means that his name is above every name of your enemies because if it's your enemy, it's his enemy. Because he cares about you. Number three, the name must believed, must be believed in to receive salvation. You can jot that down. The name must be believed in to receive salvation. Luke writes in Acts, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we might be saved. And then in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew records this. She will bear a son. This is the angel talking. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love that. You're not alone. I'm not alone. Not only are we together in this, but God's with us, Emmanuel. To me, Jesus is more than a great teacher, although his teachings has completely changed my worldview. Well, not completely. I'm sure I got to grow. I'm sure there's some things that I still look at wrongly. Jesus is more than a worker of miracles, even though time and time again there have been true miracles in my life. And I think you could probably do the same. Jesus to me is more than a self help guru, more than a self esteem builder, more than a caring friend. And I'll be the first to admit that he has improved my life, he has built my confidence, and he has been a a God and a friend who has stuck closer to me than a brother. And I'm sure you could probably say the same thing. But to me, all of those things are nice, but there's nothing that compares to this, that in Jesus I have found the Savior of sinners. Of which I'm not now, you're not now, if you're following Christ, but every one of us were numbered among sinners at one point. That's why I got no pride about this, no holier-than-thou attitude at all, because I was one. You were too. And we were all destined for a Christless eternity in this place prepared for the devil and his angels, a place called hell. There is a place. headed that way and finding this name has set me free I don't have to worry about the wrath of God one more day haven't since in 30 some years there's just something right about that name and I like how somebody said kind of changed that song a little bit that, that chorus 
Now, just something about that name. That name is everything. Name is everything. Last thing. Let's look real quickly at the name in baptism because we're going to have a baptism here in just a couple minutes. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, these are the last words before he goes to be with the Father. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Everybody say baptizing. Baptizing. The word baptizing simply means immersing. Baptizing them or immersing them in in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So if you're following Christ, let me encourage you that he's always with you. He's always with you. As you go, especially. And as you go, you're going to find conflict with this world's powers. But remember, the name is higher above every power that you come in conflict with. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38 says, Now when they had heard this, they were cut to their heart. This is Peter speaking to them and telling them what they needed to do to receive Christ and receive salvation. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles after he got done talking, he said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, which just means change your mind or change your direction, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A lot of things happening in that verse. I just want to real quickly just say that the Word of God shows that there are three different baptisms uh, there, there's actually more, but three major ones. There's immersion into water, which we will practice today. And we're going to watch the power of God touch two people's lives and their families, which is going to be awesome. The immersion into water is the first baptism, and it signifies a surrender to Jesus Christ. It's a public declaration. Hey, I am surrendering myself to Jesus Christ, and I'm make, making everybody aware, well aware of that decision. I remember I did it in the Gasconade River a long time ago, and it was cold. (laughs) So you guys got it easy here. (laughs) And and then there's the immersion that happens when you do turn your life to Jesus. There's an immersion of that, that the Holy Spirit takes you and places you in the body of Christ. Never takes you out of that. Keeps you in the body of Christ forever. That's really awesome. So he immerses you into the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, you have gifts and abilities, and you ought to be using them. You ought to be using your gifts and abilities to further his purposes, which is his body. He wants the body to expand. He wants you to reach into the world. He wants you to share the good things that he's done for you. Everybody can tell their story. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to have all that. All you have to do is have a story. Hey, this is what God did in my life, and share that with people. And then there's one other baptism, and that is the immersion of the Holy Spirit, um, of Jesus Christ into the Holy Spirit. And that can come about any time before, during, or after water baptism. Um, and, and what happens then is when, when you turn your heart to Jesus and you surrender yourself to living for God, then the Holy Spirit comes in, Right? Well, I don't know about you, but I was living a kind of life that there was a pretty good marked difference. And so when I turned my heart to Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit came in. I'm like, wow. I didn't get real emotional or anything. I, didn't, I hadn't really got that far, but I just had peace. There's a peace that passes all understanding that comes from that moment when you surrender yourself to Jesus. But you know, I found out later that there is more. That it's like, look at this tub right here. Most of you can see it. The Holy Spirit is signified by water and scripture all over the place. And if that tub is with water, full with water like it is now, that would be like the Holy Spirit coming into us at the new birth. But if we kept, Mark and David, if we kept the hose in there and filled it up, and I hope we never do this, but we just forgot about it and it started to flow that would be, would you consider that that would be filled because it's overflowing? Well, that's an immersion in the Holy Spirit, and there is that to where you, you can tell the difference when you're walking in with the Holy Spirit and you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're overflowing, and when you're just not, right? And we get hung up on terms and all this kinds of theology. Listen, it can come anytime. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And Paul actually encouraged you not just one time be baptized, but continually. The Greek says, be being filled. Constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need it, guys. You need the Holy, not it, you need him. You need the Holy Spirit to constantly fill you because this world is, is dirty. This world, not the people, I'm not talking about people. I'm just saying the, the, the mentality is anti-Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit to continually wash us and fill us and overflow and when we do that, when you run into obstacles and you get discouraged and depressed and, and you, the Holy Spirit's there to be your comforter and to be your helper. So we need that. We need him in us and we need him flowing out of us. We need him both. And here's another thing. I, I'm sorry. I just got to get this out too. That when he's over, it's not just for you when he overflows. You know, it, it's getting everybody else around you wet. And other people need joy that's overflowing from your heart. And other people need patience that's flowing. That's the Holy Spirit doing all that. It's flowing out of your heart all the time. You need the Holy Spirit. He's God. He's your helper, your comforter. I think that's all I got to say. <laughs> God, God is so good, though. Let's go ahead and sing, and we're going to have you guys go ahead and get ready to be baptized, and we'll go right into this. Oh, God's good.